Hello and welcome to NX. This is the Crossplayers' brand new home for Nintendo. Who are the Crossplayers? Uh, they're some of those people who bought you such amazing shows as Crosscast and Bin Chat and hmm, Switch Island, you might remember from back in the day. My name is Smark and I'm joined for the very first NX by two of the very finest nerds this side of the Shetland Isles. First up, a man who eats deadlifts for breakfast. It's Tyler. How you doing, Tyler? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. How you doing? Yeah, really good, man. Good to be doing some Nintendo content. Definitely. You, you have, yeah. And also with us, uh, we're joined by a man who sort of likes to play games like Star Fox Zero for fun. <laughs> it's Ethan. How you doing, Ethan? I'm I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be talking about Nintendo with you both. I'm absolutely super excited to be talking about Nintendo. I feel like. For a while now, it's been a bit of a hole in the um, in, in the general rundown of content, and it's nice to be sort of, uh, no pun intended, filling that hole. Um, and obviously, <laughs> we've had a good reason to be starting a show, because a very big game has just released that we'll be talking about a bit later, and uh, that is Super Mario Wonder. So watch this space, we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Um, before we do that, let's just introduce ourselves in a little bit more depth. Um, why are we here doing a Nintendo show? What do we like about Nintendo? Is it is it something that we like really? I mean, these days, do we still like them? What is this company? So, Tyler, tell us about your history with Nintendo and just a quick overview of why you like them and your history with them. Yeah, sure. Um, so, <coughs> my entrance into gaming started with uh, SNES back when I was probably about three, I think. Um, so I, my grandparents used to look after me and my gran was in an accident. She broke one of her ankles and to keep her entertained effectively while she was on bed rest, my granddad went out and bought her a SNES. Um, and so when she'd look after me, we'd sit and play SNES for most of the day for like the whole time she was like, resting up. And then even when she got better, like my earliest memories of spending time with them was sat playing Mario All-Stars and Super Mario World and then Earthworm Jim with her. Um, oh my God, this is the, the loveliest story. I didn't see this coming at all. This is so lovely. So your granddad bought your gran a SNES when you were three. Yeah. And... Ha ha and um, what what games did she enjoy playing the most? She was a big big Mario fan, so yeah, like we we played through all of the original Super Mario Brothers one, two, three, Super Mario World probably three, four, maybe even five times I can remember. Um, we had a good run at the lost levels, but whether I remember us finishing them, I'm not sure. I was about to <laughs> ask you that. <laughs> yeah, no, she um she was good, and then obviously like to start with, she's far better than me. Like I'd go and see her, and she'd have spent. The, the few days before like going and repeating the first few worlds to get us like 99 lives and then she'd just sit me down and be like there you go have fun and I'd just spend like four hours as like a four or five year old just depleting all of the lives she'd built up <laughs> <laughs> maybe getting like one level finished and then um, by the time the like the last time I remember us playing them all through together I was probably like 18, 19 and it would be the other way around where like she'd spend all day really struggling with one of the lost levels and I'd come back spend like half an hour on it and we'd get two or three more done That's well this incredible. is so delight this is so incredible and delightful to hear this and I, I love the idea of you burning through your grandparents mario lives rather than burning through their sort of 
pension pots than uh, <laughs> the other grandchildren will do with <laughs> with their parents and grandparents' money. Love that, and um, that I mean that just makes this whole episode that you know obviously we're going to talk about Super Mario Wonder. It makes it so much more meaningful for you, doesn't it, Tyler? Really? Yeah, it's it's nice because it's like you know that was that's where I started with Nintendo and where one like Mario Wonders come out. Like my son when he got home yesterday because um, my wife and my two kids were out when Mario Wonder turned up yesterday morning um, and they, he came back and I'm like two or three worlds in and he was like it was like I'd like he chugged a Red Bull he was <laughs> almost shaking he was that excited he was Mario Wonder's here oh. Mario Wonder's here can I play can I play can I play so I'm like yeah yeah here you go bud let him sit down and that was it there was like two hours where he just didn't move all he wanted to do was oh. sit and play Amazing, that is that's lovely to hear that. Um, well, Ethan, have you got any sort of stories that can top that? I mean, in terms of uh, gaming ability, would you say Tyler that your your grandparents are in the upper echelon? Because realistically, most grandparents, um, like the the extent of the play is they're gonna have a couple of games on a wee bowl in at, at Christmas time, isn't it? Really? Yeah. No. It's um. My my grandma is definitely the exception to the rule. I mean, like. The lot like the last time I remember her finishing Super Mario World with me, she would have been, she'd been into her sixties, like mid sixties. The first time she would probably have been like mid fifties. So do you mean like mid fifties in the nineties as well, like where gaming was still a bit more yeah niche exactly yeah because it's so much more like so much more mainstream now as well, isn't it? Even even like 10, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the extent of my nan. Playing playing on a Nintendo console was I think I spent more time creating her me on on the Wii, um, <laughs> and she was like, "Oh yeah, good that." And then that's just literally it, which is probably the case for a lot of people. So that, that's that's very cool to hear. Where I'm quite jaded when you see that Nintendo marketing of the entire family enjoying the system because I'm like, my fucking my family couldn't care less. But I guess when you see those adverts, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 realistic. Yeah, it wasn't like, I don't know, my, my parents weren't as fussed in the same way. Like my mum didn't play games at all. My stepdad played a fair bit of Ocarina with me. And then as I got older, like he'd he'd play like the Turok games. And then he got me into playing like Call of Duty and stuff as a teenager. Um, but yeah, like it's, I'm used to more of the family playing games than I think most people. But definitely not in that sort of idealistic Nintendo advert sort of way. You've not played on a rooftop? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Or a basketball you, court. You've not. You, basket. You've not played on a uh, on a flight with the Joy-Con detached. Even though if you put the switch into airplane mode, the Bluetooth doesn't work, so the Joy-Con doesn't detach. Which means that guy was risking the safety of everyone on the uh, flight. Unfortunately, you ever seen that <laughs> in the got... Switch launch advert? That really yeah, uh, yeah, grinds yeah. my gears. And now that we have a podcast of our own, I get to uh, vent about little shitty little things like that. Because if you put your if you put your Switch in airplane mode, you best be not detaching those Joy-Con. So that guy is genuinely has no care for the for the lives of the uh, other passengers. Quality. I'd never th- probably I'd never even thought of it that way. Yeah. No, same, same. It, it takes Ethan to spot those sorts of uh, details. That's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Um, maybe he's just playing such a good game. I mean, you know, when you're so totally focused. Or I guess he couldn't play it. Were you saying that as well? Yeah, because if I remember right, Ethan, the guy takes the Joy-Cons off, gives them to another guy on his flight, and they sit and play Mario Kart. Split screen. Yeah, oh, I, think, I, I think one of them is playing Skyrim as well with, like, 
because it's that oh, launch, okay, with that launch thing. Detached, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then, um, I mean, it, not that it sat with me for six years, guys, but um, <laughs> the the uh, I was on a flight once and I was like, I can't wait to be that guy in the advert. And then, um, if you put your thing in flight mode, as you're instructed to do by the uh, by the airline, it, uh, it it didn't work. So, guess I uh, you- guess I value safety. Over, uh, yeah. over gaming. Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your history with uh, gaming and Nintendo, Ethan? Yeah, is, so is um, yeah. the first game I ever played was um, Toy Story on the Super Nintendo. We didn't we didn't have a um, Super Nintendo, but my next-door neighbor had one, and I was big into Toy Story, so I kind of got sat in front of that to shut me up. Um, and then in terms of like Nintendo consoles we had the PlayStation 1 and then we were kind of PlayStation 2 so we were were very much um, home console PlayStation and then um, we had Nintendo handhelds to start with so I got the Game Boys, uh, Game Boy Advance me and my brother playing on the Pokemon games and Mario Kart um, Mario Kart Super Circuit and all that on the Game Boy Advance Um, and then uh, I ended up going back and getting a GameCube, and then from there I kind of just got every single system from when they came out. And I think I've got every, I think I've got every Nintendo system now, um, apart from like the Virtual Boy, which obviously like <laughs> just can't really be asked getting that. It's not really worth buying, is it? With the how much it is no. and uh, the games library, but um, yeah. So it's always been a part of a part of my life, really. Um, I think. For me, the three uh, prongs that I've always put on a pedestal is Mario, Zelda, and Pokemon games. Um, I think yeah. the Pokemon games have fallen from grace in terms of the quality. Obviously, being like a yearly franchise, they're just not on the same level as like a Mario Odyssey or a Breath of the Wild or a Mario Wonder, as we'll get onto. Um, but yeah, always been through my life. I, I've I kind of got into this whole thing. Um, as a hobby like doing the podcasting and all that and i've written for switchplay magazine if you might know um might yeah. have heard of it, it i've done that for about six years actually and it's just ended this year as we re-relaunch yep. it so i've written a bunch of different reviews for that and interviewed a bunch of different people so hopefully i'll bring you some insight of things that you would never have thought of before about these games and let me tell you <laughs> i've got so much to say and there's so little time <laughs> Well, yeah, well, that that's really interesting to hear about your experience there of going back and buying, you know, retrospectively some of those consoles and platforms that's that right, you yeah. sort of didn't, didn't grow up with. I, I had a similar thing where my friends had Mega Drives and Super Nintendos and, um, and you know, Nintendo Entertainment Systems um, and Game Boys, and then we didn't really have any of them. We, we, we had um, a PC, so a lot of my early home gaming experiences were um, playing, like, boomer shooters and things like doom and wolfenstein 3d and stuff like that yeah and um having to control everything with you know just a keyboard for those platformers or a keyboard and a mouse obviously for some of those shooters but um my friends had mario and sonic and all those things on their their respective systems and so i got to sort of experience them around other people's houses and people who bought their Game Boys to parties and things, I'd get to play, you know, Six Golden Coins and Super Mario Land and Tetris and these things on 
those systems and just uh, just came to love the the quality and the sort of unique um, gameplay style compared to those games we've been playing on the PC. There was something very sort of satisfyingly chunky and like well put together about all of the Nintendo titles yeah. that just made made them feel special and different. And this was all brought to a head when I was wandering through Toys R Us one day with my family and we saw on a little 14-inch TV screen they had hanging from the, the wall, um, they had Super Mario 64. Um, and I, I, I just wasn't aware that it was coming out at all. It just wasn't in my radar. And so just seeing that just floored me. And I was immediately, right, I have That's to have so that cool. game. The big, the big yeah, Mario face, was it? It was the Mario face being pulled around, and yeah. it, then it would it, then it would cut to Mario running around, and it was the like trailer bit, so it was showing um, um, you know Mario spinning Bowser around on that first world and throwing him off the the block and all of the, all those sorts of sequences, and I was like, right, I I absolutely have to have that. It looks incredible, and uh, subsequently did get it, and it was incredible. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, yeah, and I've so I've had every, every system since then. Um, which has been pretty cool, but I was like yourself, Ethan, a very handheld, handheld uh, enthusiast. Actually, yeah. most of the the way through. Am, yeah. am I right in saying that? Because we we had a much like everyone else. If you've if you've seen that on Twitter, a lot of us in the group chat have been posting our twenty five game things using that like website. And uh, am I, I'm right in saying that you put um, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe in particular on that list, which I kind of gave you a bit of shit for at the time. But you I did, guess and it you has probably like a nostalgic taste because, like, looking back on that game, obviously there's so many different versions of Super Mario Brothers now, but that one in particular, like, um, I went back. I have it on the 3DS as like a virtual console title, and like because of the, obviously the the system, you, it has like a scrolling um, thing, and like the verticality, like if you jump upwards, it kind of scrolls with you, and it's just like. Yeah, okay. but I guess obviously from what I've, from what you've just said, then you have like fond memories of of playing through that one and handheld. Yeah, I really had a lot of fondness playing that, and I think um, I, it was I'd experienced the original Super Mario Brothers on my friend's Nintendo Entertainment System, but then playing it handheld um, was just a joy, and I'd always loved the more sort of pared back games, so I'd I'd actually contrary to a lot of my friends at the time, I preferred Super Mario Land to six golden coins. Oh, uh, right. Because there was something just about getting to the end that I really, really loved, like getting to the flag yeah. and, and just trying to beat these levels. And so having Super Mario Brothers and then it then when I got to the end eventually and then it unlocked the lost levels, which I didn't didn't know it was going to do. And it just did that. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? What is this? And it was like a whole massive DLC pack for me of just new reworked and incredibly difficult levels to explore and enjoy yeah Partic it particularly just, on, the, on that on that version of the game as well i can imagine it being a lot harder to put to finish yeah may maybe there's something in the emulation of um on the 3ds that makes it worse than it seemed yeah. at the time but obviously when you're only playing everything back on a um game boy color or whatever i was playing it on it um it didn't feel it didn't feel as bad but you know, wh when I try and play like F Zero now on on the emulation on the NSO, um, it feels so different from how I remember it feeling. Yeah. So it's impossible to really ever go back, yeah. and that's the problem with those twenty five. And it's a whole separate conversation. But the problem with those lists is 
is it just your nostalgic memory yeah. of the game or do do you have to replay it to then get it onto the list yeah uh, that's, that's a whole debate there really i uh, I, I would say that um super mario odyssey uh, plays how you remember super mario 64 playing because obviously like <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it built it's just built upon that, that that suite of movement that that mario's had for like 20 years um yeah but obviously going back to super mario 64 like there's so many different moves that have been iterated upon over the years that you kind of just expect to be there and they're not it's like a burbo it's quite bare bones but um yeah 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 well, I think that leads us very nicely into the next part of the podcast. Thank you for that segue. Uh, <laughs> and we're temporarily calling this section of the podcast Playing, because I haven't thought of a better title for it yet. This is where we're going to talk about the games we've been playing, which is why it's called that. Um, and we, I think we've all been playing Super Mario Wonder, is that right? Ethan, have you been playing it? I have been playing it indeed, yeah. Not, not as much yep, as I would so have liked, but I have played a wonderful same. amount. Oh, very nice, wonderful amount. Yeah, I think we've all been playing that, so just leave that as a bit of a tease, and we'll start off with the other games we've been playing a little bit, and then we'll come back to Super Mario Wonder in a minute. Um, Ethan, you've been playing a little... Um, what look? And, and I love this, because you've just been talking earlier on about really deep-dive indie games. <coughs> and uh, so this sounds like a very strange indie game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Star, Star Trek Ten Kid Cudi uh, Mirror Mayhem. <laughs> yeah. So t- tell us about the, uh, Tell me about it, this game, this Ethan. This is a very interesting thing, folks. That um, I mm-hmm. just thought I, I haven't heard anyone talking about this, so I just thought, fuck it, why not? Um, basically, <laughs> it's Star Trek Cross Kid Cudi. Um, I'm mean, assuming, Mark, you haven't heard of Kid Cudi, the art, the artist, the rapper. rapper I googled it. I have, ha- I googled it, having seen it on here. Yeah. Um, you, you might have heard the song Day and Night, you know, the day and night, night doesn't turn, I keep stressing my mind, mind. And that was a really good rendition as well, so... Yeah. It was very, very good. I was yeah. really impressed with that. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, like, I'm a massive um, Kid Cudi fan, so anything that that, that he puts out on, like, um, Instagram or um, Twitter, I just lap it up like a thirsty dog, so... Um, this is like an extremely strange collaboration it's part of like a growing trend at the moment of like people making little game experiences within games um if you've seen like there's like american football teams making the stadiums as an interactive experience and like fucking roblox and stuff like that um and then there's people making things in minecraft this was like a weird thing where like um fortnite's kind of it's bit this this is not this is a game experience within fortnite um, that's cool. That's basically uh, been developed gotcha. by a development team that has the license from Star Trek and has paired up with Kid Cudi to combine it into a, a game within Fortnite. It's just like it, it, trying that's to explain wild. it um, is is incredibly difficult. And I mean, if you look at the press releases from like Star Trek themselves, it sounds like even they don't even know what it is. Um, so I had to kind <laughs> of like go in and. I had to re-download Fortnite on Switch. Um, funnily enough, I actually tried to download, um, like this might be sacrilegious to say, especially on the first episode of an NX of the NX podcast. But um, I tried to get it on Steam Deck and then realized that obviously Epic Games yeah. hate the idea of you playing Fortnite on a Steam Deck, so I couldn't do that. So I went back onto um, Switch, um, re-downloaded Fortnite for the first time in years. Um, and sort of put this, put this little code in, and it's like, um, and yeah, it's it's like a little uh, action platforming little game 
where Kid Cudi, the rapper, is um, like some Star Trek captain, and he goes, "Oh, you gotta defend yourself against this thing." And it's just it's, it's very basic, but um, it's interesting because they've they've actually mocapped him into the game. He does like a full performance in the game. I don't know if you heard about like a few years ago, there was like a Travis Scott concert within Fortnite, and it was yep. like one of the most attended virtual concerts ever um or it was the most attended virtual concert and they've done stuff with like ariana grande and things like that where it's like these virtual concert experiences and they were particularly popular during lockdown um so it's kind of similar to that but on a smaller scale because i don't think fortnite actually have anything to do with it but um the fidelity of the actual character model of, of kid cuddy itself is really good like they've actually mocapped him and Put him into the game and he does like a performance and he, he does segments from unreleased music as well so if you if you're a kid could he find it's definitely worth having a look at it um for him like his upcoming album um so yeah like i, I don't know if you two actually know what it is for me talking about it. i mean that, that that's the that's the weird thing about it but i just thought it was really interesting that like they'd go to so much trouble to make a little experience within an existing game um and it's part of like a yeah. thing now isn't it of, like there's so many like uh, games that are like hubs um, like creation that people make stuff now. within yeah yeah I did because um, I go through like about every year 18 months I'll get into Fortnite for like a season or two and then drop off it again and I think it was last year when I was playing through I can't think of the guy's name now but there was one of these like interactive experiences but it was like in that had Epic behind it as well yeah and they'd done like it was, it was quite like psychedelic that makes it sound quite hippie-ish but like this really well thought out like went through like real stages and like backdrops and it was almost like a music video but obviously interactive went on for there's like two or three 15 20 minute experiences throughout the season yeah um with the guy's music and i was like it's just it was really cleverly done and really unique and it's like you say like to see games like that now like obviously Fortnite have struck gold with it i've not dabbled really with roblox yet but I know there's a lot of similar stuff there. And then obviously we've known for years that Minecraft is basically just unlimited Lego set. And some of the stuff you see people build and create and that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just cool like to see, you know, to see kids be like not only playing games, but using those games to build stuff of their own. I yeah, think definitely. It's really cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's clever. It's a clever move from, um, for, from Epic as well, obviously, because it gives the game longevity. Like, it, it reminds me of um, Gmod actually. Like if you ever used to play Gmod a few years ago, um, you could go in and go into different custom servers, and it would download a shitload of like character models and stuff. Um, and like when you load up Fortnite now, I had to kind of like, like you say, Tyler. I, I the last time I went back to Fortnite was I think like season two, so it was a while ago now. Um, and I was kind of like that Gandalf meme I have no memory of this place trying to understand like where everything was and things like that but um yeah yeah and then I looked at the store and you've got like bloody Rick Grimes like skins and you've got like Jack Skellington and all I was like oh dear yeah. I'm gonna have to get rid of this game now because otherwise I'm gonna be getting my wallet out to buy these avatars that I'm never gonna play as yeah that's it it's like I dabbled back into it when I think it was my hero academia ones came out and I like put my hand in my wallet and bought a couple of them I'm debating getting back into it this time around because my son is like obsessed with Nightmare Before Christmas. So yeah. there's a part of me that wants to to jump back in, play a couple of games with him, yeah. and get the Jack Skeleton skin. But yeah, it's like I think Fortnite has become for all of the like 
fuss around like a metaverse sort of concept a little while ago. Fortnite is as close to that as I think will ever be, or at the moment is going to be successful and is that for people where you have these interactive experiences, like the creative mode will let you go and set something like this up with your friends. But the depth of, like, it's so meta in itself in that you have all of these other weird franchises, like, you know, there's, like, the, that meme going around today of, oh, you know, Fortnite on October 24th, and it's, like, some kid in a Michael Myers costume beating the crap out of his brother in one of the Fortnite skins costume and then as he knocks him over starts like emoting but like literally trying <laughs> yeah. to like floss yeah and it's like that's literally what Fortnite is at this point there's like all yeah. the random characters from franchises just being like doing all this dumb stuff yeah but it's I great I tell you what, what what interested me as well about that was um, given that Fortnite has kind of um, transitioned uh, into this sort of hub now for like different games, not just like the battle royale thing that it that that it was that it became popular from. Um, and obviously, it wasn't initially that anyway, was it? It was like a PVE uh, thing. Yeah, like a it, horde mode or like is it survival? No, it's yeah, yeah. It's like I think it's like crafting. a survival thing exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, see, seeing that it's pivoted now to this to this like hub thing, I wonder how those like companies that have licensed their characters feel about that because like obviously like you've got like Goku and Kratos and like all these characters I mean funnily enough not there's not any Nintendo characters in the as of yet really um but like you see all these characters doing like orange justice and like flossing and all this um and like I think to myself like because at the time when you when they've licensed these characters, they thought it was just going to be like a battle royale thing. But obviously, but now you can do all these different things with the characters. So I wonder what the licensing agreement looks like in terms of like we can literally do anything we fucking want with your character. We can make them like we can make them shoot a machine gun. We can make them backflip. We can make them do little funny little dances. Like and, you, and what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, like the, mad, the thought of it? Jack Skellington running around with it with a semi-automatic and uh, <laughs> blasting RPG. people away kind of feels at odds with the with his nature in the film. But I guess uh, that's the world we live in, folks. Yeah, and that's probably why you won't be seeing any Nintendo IP characters that's running it, around doing that. Any, that's yeah. it. Like that's got to be the big part of it. Is that you know, Nintendo have very much that family brand for the most part. Like you get the odd exception, I guess, but. Their whole shtick is, you know, it's all very family friendly and it's got to be a certain way. And also, like, you never get a Nintendo character on a non-Nintendo platform, so there's no way they could keep to that ethos, I guess, if they dip their toe in the water with Fortnite. Yeah, great point, great point, yeah. Because obviously you yeah. can cross-play on the uh, other consoles, can you? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, Ethan, to have raised that and put that down. And that, it reminds me, I, I remember playing... This is back to the sort of boomer shooter that I was talking about earlier. Remember in Duke Nukem 3D, I was I think my first experience with a game's arcade machine that was playable within a game, um, and that, you know that sort of uh, really? almost. Is it? You know that's my first experience with which, it. But I just want to ask about this. Go, go Sorry, on, yeah. carry on. No, no, I was just gonna I was just gonna bring the conversation down by asking which Duke Nukem game it was that you can pick shit out of the toilet and throw it. Is that Duke Nukem uh, Returns or something? Oh, I think that's uh, probably the the new one. Yeah, the it, your level of interaction with the environment was pretty minimal in uh, 
Duke Nukem 3D back in the day, unless they've updated it, and I don't know. But what I wanted to ask about with this Star Trek uh, Kid Cootie crossover um, game thing is, like, it makes me think, initially I'm sort of quite worried about this. Like, is, is it a little bit insidious? Is there, like, strong advertising going in? Is there, is this Star Trek trying to promote, like, Strange New Worlds or, or something? What's the connection? The, the, intri- the funny thing with it is, is, like, I know nothing about Star Trek apart from, like, um, Patrick Stewart and like yep. um, a guy with a bumpy head or something like that. Like I, I, that, that's that, that's my extent of Star Trek knowledge. But I'd be interested to hear a Star Trek uh, fan's perspective on this because realistically, it from it doesn't really have anything to do with Star Trek aside from Kid Cudi's character is wearing a sort of Star Trek garb, like the uh, the outfit. I don't know what they call it, the uniform, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then there's sort of like a lobby area as you wait to go in because you, you can play this with friends but obviously I don't have any so I played it on my own um, but like um, the, the lobby area is is like I think it's like meant to be like an Enterprise ship or something like that yeah like the bridge um, of the right. ship or something like that yeah exactly okay um, but in terms of the the, the like the, the the planet that you explore and sort of shoot and navigate before you get to the end for like this sort of mini live performance thing um, it's kind of just like a nondescript sort of spacey world. So I, there's no sort of promotion either. It's kind of just like an interesting collaboration. That the art, the, the like the rapper Kid Cudi, like his sort of moniker is like Man on the Moon, and his albums are Man on the Moon. So obviously there's sort of a thematic like connection there. So it does actually make okay. sense as a, as a collaboration. Um, and he's released like a he released the song. Um, with Star Trek that's like again nothing to do with Star Trek like you, you haven't got like a sample of fucking William Shatner going engage in the background or something it's just it's literally just a song <laughs> like a spacey song um so like yeah I, I just I, I hadn't really heard anyone talk about it so I just wanted to to, to bring it up because if, if if you're not a fan of Kid Cudi then you will get nothing from this but if um as like a fan, it's an interesting and dynamic mm. way to interact with with the music, I guess. So, um, and like I've got to, if it, to to put so much effort into something like just this because it, when I initially saw it, I thought that the kid Cudi like because like I said before, they've scanned him into the game and he's like fully animated and all that, but it's just a custom asset just for that mode. Because I, I thought Epic was behind it and that you'd be able to buy him as a skin and all that to play as him in the game because he kind of looks the same fit level of fidelity like the other skins you'd see in the store. But obviously um, Epic themselves had nothing to do with it. So um, shout out to, I think it was Atlas Creative that's like the developer that, that made it. I think they make like different game modes um, and I don't know what other games they've worked on. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? But it's not it's not like full of advertisement, if that's what you mean. But I think it's an interesting way of brands to advertise. Like, you see a lot of it with these, like, meta, Coca-Cola, metaverse shit and all that sort of stuff, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's like, but it's, it, any time I've seen Fortnite do it, it's like, it's definitely not insidious at all. It's literally just, it's an experience rather than it's not out there to sell you something or try and convince you to go and you know take an interest in it it's like this is a thing that we do with this character or this artist or whatever and it's just another way of experiencing their content that's really interesting oh wow okay that's something to 
update us on for future episodes. I've got to admit, I just don't know anything about any aspect of that, so it's really interesting to hear about that. Thanks, Ethan. Um, right, uh, Tyler, you have been playing several different games here, uh, quite a lot of retro games. Do you want to just run through which ones you've been enjoying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, the majority of, of my time the last few weeks has been playing Metroid Zero Mission. So, Sweet. Um, yeah, it's one of those things, like I'd never played a Metroid game until probably about a year ago. Um, picked up a copy of Metroid Dread Jeep because Max, one of the um, patrons, he talks about it a lot. You know, he's a big, big Metroid fan. I know quite a few of the other guys. Like, I think Mark, the same time I bought Dread, you and Lewis were playing through it again. Yep. Um, so yeah, I picked it up hearing you guys go back and forward every week for a few weeks, just saying how <laughs> much you were, were loving it and where you were at and stuff like that. Um, wasn't sure what I was going to think of it, but I was like, you know, I've never, I've never given the franchise a chance. It's something different. I've enjoyed other Metroidvanias, which are obviously derivative of where Metroid comes from. Um, and yeah, I love Dread. I then bought Prime on like the remaster of Metroid Prime. I bought that on release, um, and then yeah, I went back, played all the way through that with my son, who he loves watching it. So he's sat and watched me play through pretty much all of Metroid Prime. Um, and then yeah I decided to play Zero Mission it's on NSO but I'm actually playing it on a little handheld emulator I don't think it is on NSO yet actually but yeah I'm going to check I'm sure it was I don't. I think it's due it's been they, there was information from a, like a leaked bit of code that says that it will be but it isn't yet as far as I know ah Okay, that's my bad. I swear. But yeah, no, no worries. I've, def- I've definitely <laughs> seen it in one of those, um, one of those video, like you know, like when they show the lineup like comments. Sizzle but, reels. Yeah, I think I think they famously have teased a lot of NSO games, like literally a fucking eight months ago, and yeah. they're still not here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those where it's not quite here yet, but it's expected anytime soon. Right. I think I know F- Fusion is on there, but ah, that's where I'm getting confused. Then. Yep. So yeah, like um, Max was talking about Zero Emission a little while ago. So when I got my little emulator recently, I was like, right, I want to play through that first. Um, It's a nice, like it's a short game. I think How Long to Beat thinks between four and six hours. Um, So yeah, I've jumped into that. I'm probably two thirds, maybe three quarters of the way through it now. Um, It's fantastic. Like it's just, it's so well done. And to think that's a game that's probably coming up for 20 years old at this point. Yeah, it's just like it's insane to me. Like it's so uh, well put together. That, is that that's is that a remake of the original NES game or the G yeah. or the Game Boy game? Sorry, no, it's a re- it's a GBA game, but it's a, effectively a full remaster of the original NES Metroid from what I understand. Right, right, yeah. And then there's the 3DS one, which is the remake of Samus Returns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorted. That's interesting. Have you have you have you dabbled with the NES original? No, I'd, I'd be interested the, to see what you think going back yeah. to the original versus zero mission. That'd be interesting because I'm one of those I'm one of those people who like if I've never played a game in a series before, I'm like, right, I'm going back to where it all began. But then a lot of the time, I don't enjoy myself because obviously it's like the it a lot of the time the first in the well. series is not the best exactly. Um, yeah. So that'd be interesting to hear what you what you think. Yeah. I, I have played the original Metroid game, but I haven't played Zero Mission, which is why I know that Zero Mission isn't yet on NSO, because I really want to play it. <laughs> and I, st- I haven't quite had the chance to play it, and I never sort of picked it up for the advance back in the day, so really keen to play that. But um, 
Yeah, I would recommend starting with that, Ethan. Really, I mean, if you're going to start from the beginning, don't start from the original. I, I've, I've got, NES Metroid. I've played Fusion and I've got um, Dread as well, but like, um, oh, okay. I, like I always, I've tried to play through the original Metroid quite a few times, and I think it just, I don't know, something about it, it just doesn't hit with me. Because um, I, I think for me, like from Super Metroid onwards, is where they really hit their. Um, yeah, like if you play really Super well. Metroid, you can't really go back from that, can you? Um, although no, that, that, that's that, tricky. I did dabble in because um, Samus Returns is on is on NSO, isn't it? The Game Boy version. I did have a little go on that. I actually had to send a WhatsApp message to Max, like a video um, thing of like, how do I get out of this hole? Because you had to do like a little, um, you know, like a bomb jump to get out of a oh, hit, yeah. and I was just like, yeah. stood there for ages. And I was like, I literally have no idea how to get so I had to do like so a lifeline. Just to just to be clear for Max and other Metroid ner nerds out there, like, like like a bit like myself, the the original Game Boy game was called Metroid Two: Return of Samus. Oh right. And then the the 3DS remake was called Samus Returns. Oh, yeah. So and the one the one that's on the uh, NSO is the is the Game Boy one, which I did actually complete back on my Game Boy Color back in the day. But it was a it was a mission. But it is there a that mission? one is a bit. <laughs> I know, it was like a, a ball lake a ball lake mission. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like the most uh, happy for you just to be lost in a world of metroids because you're just hunting down all these different metroids that are floating around and you've just got to try and just tick them off one by one get get lost again tick off the next one get lost <laughs> so if you're comfortable with that sort of like memorizing this labyrinthine environment where you're just ticking off the numbers uh but yeah i tried to replay it on nso and found it to be um quite quite horrible <laughs> so yeah that's probably gonna that would be like the the uh the mario deluxe that you talked about earlier i'm sure if i played it now i'd be like oh god why did i love this so much anyway um tyler you were telling us about your experience with zero mission yeah so it's, it's just great like it feels polished it's i think because i started with dread and i'm effectively working my way backwards accidentally um it's kind of nice seeing like you know, where I've seen the most recent iteration of like some of the power-ups and the upgrades and how to use them, where the older games are generally like a little bit more difficult and a little bit less signposty about how to do things. Because I've gone backwards from newer to older, it's kind of like the difficulty gets just that little, this like slowly stepping up. I think if I'd played Zero Mission with no context for what Metroid is and how it works, like you say, Ethan, I'd get to these points where I'm like, the hell do I do here? Um, but because I've worked backwards it's kind of like oh, okay so this is where in Dread you had to solve it this way this is exactly what I've got to do again which is quite cool yeah that is cool that can work the other way though because I started Dread the first time thinking oh, I've played all these Metroid games I'm going to be able to do this no problem at all this is going to be basic for babies like everything and, and I just got stuck straight away <laughs> not realising what to do because <laughs> it was a bit you had to stand on a platform to reduce the water level and of course there's no standing on platforms to get the water level to change in any other Metroid game so I just didn't expect that's like a Zelda move yeah didn't expect it in a Metroid uh, anyway I'm blathering on carry on no it's just uh, it's cool <laughs> seeing like seeing where these ideas that are in the later games that I've played have come from um, but I'm just I'm so impressed with how complete and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a 20 year old game like we play you know you play the original Metroid Super Metroid even for as much as I love it like Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3 they feel dated, but this really doesn't. And I know it's a little bit newer than like, yeah, Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3, but it doesn't feel dated anywhere near the same. 
Yeah, that's great to hear that. And that, that puts me in good good stead for playing it on NSO. I'm really excited to play it. So you've also been playing... Um, how does the, does the next game on your list, Super Mario Land, has that been feeling dated? Yeah, that feels incredibly dated. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's very, very weird. Like, even having played, like, Super Mario World in the last, I don't know, in the last six months, probably, going back to Super Mario Land feels odd. Like, it feels like it's almost made by a different team. Like okay. It, the yeah. weight of the weight of your movement feels different. You haven't got the sort of like when you land from a jump, you just stop. It doesn't feel slightly slippery, um, or even like how I'll position my hands on a controller. Whereas with anything from world onwards, I'll have the end of my thumb over the dash button, and then I'll yeah. basically straighten my hand out to hit the jump button. Yeah. Whereas there's no concept of a dash in Super Mario Land because it's slow and solid and like weighty almost so it's getting used to the idea of like the end of my thumb being on the jump button and not needing to dash and by extension then having to relearn the mechanics of like jumping so when you get to the more difficult jumps that are quite precise you can still land them without overshooting them and stuff like that yeah you, you mentioned um these two games these two mario land games before as well mark and um I, i'd equate like Super Mario Land feels like the closest game to the original Super Mario Brothers on NES, I think. And yeah, then definitely. the Super Mario Land yeah. 2 feels more like, um, I don't know, World or 3. Um, yeah. yeah, In three, terms definitely. of like a portable version of those games. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, what about the flying stages in, the, in Super Mario Land? That's a, an interesting <laughs> one I like as well. Yeah, that was like, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like it's almost made by. A different team that have seen all these other games and been like, oh yeah, we can do something like that for you, and they've almost like outsourced it to these guys, and they're like, oh well, we'll just we'll just throw some of these aerial sections in that are almost like shoot 'em up esque in nature. That's just like weird. It's, it, yeah, and it's interesting to think about the like games like The Return of Samus appearing on a Game Boy at all. It shows you how massive the Game Boy was at the time and how many how many it sold you know that they didn't put the sequel to um you know the first metroid they didn't put that on one on one of their home console systems they put it onto a portable and the game super mario land and six two six golden coins being on they, they've been kind of when i think of them they're kind of off to one side compared to the sort of mainline games yeah but we don't we don't think about the the later mario games in the same sort of way even if they are on portable well I, I don't anyway whereas i think about those two as kind of being off to the side of the original three or four mm. or yeah you yeah it's like you get to a point where you start seeing franchises as like the portable and the mainline console or like with, right. with mario or zelda i suppose you get like the 2d and the 3d games and stuff like that well yeah link's awakening as well is a great example of yeah that. um right yeah yeah so i mean yeah it's a bit sad to hear Super Mario Land doesn't quite hold up because I've got such fond memories of it. I, I, think, I, I used to play it. Play. I think um, you, you said before, like you prefer, you preferred the first Land to the second one. I th I think that game still has charm in, like the soundtrack in Land is really memorable. Um, oh, definitely. And then like the Sphinx, it it does have the Sphinx character like enemies and yeah, stuff, it does. doesn't it? it yeah, does, yeah, yeah. Like I think because that was the introduction of um, Daisy as well. I think, isn't it? Um, yes. Not that you could fucking tell on the with the visual. <laughs> no. uh, 
you're like I love how like if you're a law master back in the day you're just reading the fucking manual you're not even playing the game because half oh, the little, half the information about the characters and stuff is just in the in the booklet but yeah I, I th- um it's interesting ones to go back to because they don't take a lot of time to beat either so you're not sort of uh, committing a lot of time but yeah, they're nice in that, like, I suppose for the same reason they were good to play on a Game Boy. Like, this little emulator thing I bought is, like, it's the size of, like, an old portable two-and-a-half-inch hard drive. So, like, it goes in my bag, it goes in the pocket of a coat. If I know I'm going to be sat waiting for something, it's a lot less to lug around than a Switch. So I'm like, it's ideal for all these games that I didn't have or didn't finish or, in, you know, in cases like Mario Land I loved as a kid. When I've got like 15, 20 minutes waiting for an appointment or waiting outside my son's school, I can just like take two, three seconds to boot up and I can just knock a few levels out. That's the reason to ha- own an analog, isn't it? Uh, for that yeah, sort of experience. Yeah, exactly. Where you can just playing these games that um, ni- nicely um, presented to us on a cool little system. Uh, I'd, I'd actually quite tempted to pick one of those up. It's interesting to hear the sort of Discord in the group, in the, um, the Patreon um, WhatsApp group as to those who seem to be quite pro the analog systems and those that were like vehemently anti them. Um, but they, to me, it looks quite an interesting concept. And someone like yourself, Tyler, you're playing these old games. Is that something you'd consider picking up to play them on the original cartridges? I think I'd love to. It's just a case of like, one, I'm tight. And two, I don't <laughs> own, as much as I wish I did, I don't own yeah. the consoles that I grew up with. As I grew up, I'd have, you know, I sold my sold my Game Boy to buy Game Boy Color, I sold my Color to buy in advance, and I worked my way up that way. Yeah. And so where I, yeah, I've now gone back and, like, I've, we've got my wife's Game Boy Advance, my brother-in-law's old Game Boy Color, um, and whatever games we can find. Like, I'll occasionally go on a binge and pick up a bunch of retro stuff from, like, Facebook Marketplace, but I don't have all the games I had as a kid. Mm. So you've got, you've got your grand's PS4. <laughs> <laughs> your, gran, your grand's um, Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ethan, is it something you'd consider getting an analog? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm definitely envious of those that have them. Um, I saw Nathan um, put on Twitter a picture. He got that like uh, neon greeny one, um, mm, and it looks nice. so nice. Like I, I really do want one. I, I, I do luckily have um, quite a lot of my my Game Boy games still, um, and I have like my Game Boy, so I do play them. I do still play on the original hardware when I can from time to time, but. Um, particularly sort of pre-SP if you're playing on any game any system without a backlight it's just a fucking nightmare isn't it so um, like <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, um, like I, I have memories of playing on the Game Boy in the backseat of of like the car when my mum and dad were driving and like you just you get to a, like stop every few seconds while exactly. you're between traffic lights. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Like we all have that shared, that shared memory. Yeah. Well that that's the funny the funny thing about it being a, the, those they were, they were portable console, you know, portable systems. But basically, with the Game Boy Advance, I was tied to like a desk lamp. You just have to sit <laughs> yeah. there. I may as well have been playing on a big screen because exactly. you're just there with this lamp shining I, down I, it to go to play. Anything. I remember speaking of uh, Mario Land. I remember the first time I finished uh, Super Mario Land Two because it, it ends with a boss battle uh, with Wario, doesn't it? And I I, I remember um, having a lamp arched over my shoulder, pointed at the screen. To, to be able to see what was going on so yeah um but yeah it's just an expense it's just a cost thing for me like i, I got i've got a steam deck which i spent obviously a decent amount of money on um and like the switch 
two has been rumoured for about four years at this point, but I mean, you'd think it's coming hopefully soon. So um, I just don't have yeah. the money to afford it. And it, like you say, with the games as well, um, the cost of games now is just fucking stupid. Like I, I bought. Yeah. Um, we said before I, I went back and bought systems. Like I've actually got three NES. I ended up with three NESs now because. Yeah. Um, my uncle was getting rid of one and I got that and I bought one and then I had another one that broke but like an NES to buy is just stupid um, and you can have a much better experience playing the games on the NES on like the NSO or with the uh, NES Mini which has an HDMI out so um, yeah like I got, I've got i got a Game Boy Pocket a little see-through Game Boy Pocket that, that I play like Pokemon on and stuff and like I bought that for a fiver from game station um, <laughs> yeah um, and exactly like, i mean the analog's got to be a lot better than that hasn't it to yeah, but warrant like, the, the, it, the difference in price yeah it's yeah. a lot better but it's it, it, like the game but it's is just it like that much better like, yeah is it like 250 exactly, quid better exactly exactly yeah um yeah. and it's like uh the games themselves as well like if you try and get an original pokemon game for instance not only is it extremely difficult to buy for a good price right. But you also have a shitload of fakes out there as well, so it's difficult to navigate that. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's one of them. It, it, it's definitely a collectory thing, isn't it? But uh, it's like there's no doubt that those analog systems offer sort of the best, authentic way to play those games, which is cool for people that yeah. that have that backlog. Have you looked at like as a middle ground, Ethan? Just because I've seen a lot of them recently, and I was actually chatting to um, was chatting to my cousin about them over the weekend. But you can get. Um, you can get like a Game Boy Color or whatever now that's retrofitted with a backlit screen and like a higher quality screen. Do you know what? Do you know what? Uh, I, I I certainly have looked at that. Um, <laughs> it's funny you should say because I was looking at a. Uh, I've got two two Game Boy Advances because I've got my one which I've scratched the fucking screen, and then I've got my brother's one. So I was looking at a um, you know like a backlight replacement kit for the GBA. Because yeah. I, I was thinking, oh, I'll have a little, uh, little hobby and like I'll, I'll solder it myself. I don't even think you have to solder it, actually, because I think it's just a ribbon cable that you slot the new no, screen. The old, yeah, yeah, the old so, school stuff's a lot easier. Yeah, so I've definitely looked at something like that. Um, but I think, to be honest with you, I think more likely what I'll do is get the sort of little device. Because um, at the moment, what, what I'm doing is I just... Because I, I, my Switch is too big. To, I feel like the Switch is too big to take with me. Uh, on the train because my commute's not that big so I kind of just want a little 10-15 minutes here and there and not, I'm not trying to get into a 3 hour Tears of the Kingdom session on the commute, morning commute, do you know what I mean yeah. so um, I just slot my 3DS in my, my pocket but I think more likely what I would do is is emulate the games that I've got um, using a similar device to the sort of thing that you're talking about because there's a bunch of different ones that are out now that, that are really really affordable and um, you just get like a cheap and cheerful one that can that can run the Game Boy games that I've got, and then I don't mind if it if I break it or scratch it. Yeah. And they're cool looking little devices. Like I bought the one that I did purely because it looks exactly like a Game Boy Pocket, like to the point where it's atomic purple, which is like my favourite colour for anything. Like I've got atomic purple Joy Cons. If I got, I was very tempted to buy an analog pocket when they said they were doing an atomic purple one. I'm that <laughs> level of fickle. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, it, I'm the exact same. I saw that. I saw that green, and I was like, "Yeah, I do be needing one of these." Not gonna lie. But it's on the contrary. We were saying about the backlight. I mean, it seems like if you've seen that play date, it seems like people yearn for that nostalgia of not being able to see anything because the the play date. 
doesn't have a backlight, does it? And that's no. kind of one of the main main criticisms. That's another nice little nifty little device, but not Nintendo related, so I won't say any fucking more on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> Except, well, you know, you tied it to not having a backlight very nicely, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that's good. Talking about not having a backlight, I've been playing um, Advance Wars Reboot Camp, Ooh, which nice. obviously the original games didn't have a backlight because they were on the Game Boy Advance, and this has been very nice. I haven't got that far into it, but just a quick comment on it is that the sort of ana- the animations they've done around the game to sort of show you the various characters are very nice. Actually, um, Christine, my wife, saw me playing it and said, "Is this a Studio Ghibli game?" Which was, uh, I think, quite complimentary. Um, and then also been finding it much harder than I remember, which is obviously a, a lot of the time. I should have known. It's always the case when you go back to play an old game if it's been remade anyway. Um, or, or an old game originally, it's always going to be harder than you remember, and this has proved to be the case. I think I was expecting the level of difficulty of something like Mario plus Rabbids, which uh, after you sort of learn the sort of the various systems involved, uh, is quite I, I I thought quite quite straightforward to play through without having to sort of engage the brain too much. But I think something like the fifth level of this one, and it's the first game as well, and I know the second one gets even harder. I think. Um, I was sort of like, oh no, I'd like, I got myself to a position where I was going to lose the map. I was like, crap, I'm going to have to start this map again. Because I just wasn't treating it with the respect it deserved. And obviously it should have treated it with more respect because it's Advance Wars. I remember it being difficult back in the day and it has proven to be the case again. And I can't wait to carry on playing it because I was really addicted to what I've played so far. Um, lovely little game. And some of the training that you're given is a little bit... Like when you start the game, it says, "Have you played an Advance Wars game before?" And I clicked yes, and I was I was really hoping at that point that it wasn't going to sort of be teaching me every unit and every sort of move that I had to do. You know, click on this and move up, and then use this to shoot an en- you know, then click on an enemy to shoot. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to go through that every time. Luckily, it gives you the option of each of those points to skip each of those sections but it still does start off doing those little training sections. So it's, a li- it's a been a little bit of a cumbersome start to playing it. It would have been nicer if they'd just given you the option of just removing that, especially yeah. if you're just wanting to sort of replay it. But apart from that minor niggle, it's been a joy to come back to the world and I uh, can't wait to play more of it. Yeah. W- would it would it be a first-party Nintendo game if there wasn't a uh, cumbersome tutorial? Is it? Fair, yeah. fair. But let's move on to talk about a game that doesn't have a cumbersome tutorial at all and is the big new Nintendo release at the moment. And that, of course, is Super Mario Wonder. And this, I think, is a really important moment, I think, for the Switch. And I have written down some notes, quite a lot of notes on my initial impressions. I've got, I think I've got to World 4. So I've had a little bit of time to... I would, would, have, would have loved to have finished it, but what we're going to do is come back with a future pod when we've all had an opportunity to complete the game so we can give you our sort of final thoughts having completed it, or hopefully all completed it, um, so that we can really do a deep dive, which is why we've sort of relegated it a little bit to the end of this session, because we're going to give our initial impressions and come back later to do a full, full sort of spoiler cast. Um, the as twist, well the as twist at the end. Yeah, the twist at the end. And as well as also doing our top 10 2D Mario lists, which we're going to be working on between now and that episode. Jesus, I'm scared about doing that. But there we go. <laughs> Especially after the Super Mario Land conversation, because that was quite high on mine until today. Um, 
but Super Mario Wonder, as I say, played about I played about four worlds. So I've probably played about six or seven hours, I would say, so far. Maybe a little bit less than that. Um, and you guys have always been playing it, and it has been just a delight from start to finish. I can I can definitely say that because when I started it, I had a little bit of those that same feeling I got with. Um, you know the the new games, new Super Mario Brothers, you, yeah. new Super Mario Brothers, all those, where my excitement was jacked high for it being a new 2D Mario game, and then gradually over the sort of first world, finding that there was a lot of familiarity with previous Mario games, and it hadn't quite developed enough to make it exciting with those new Mario games. That was certainly my impression, anyway. And the worlds were kind of quite... They were, again, quite familiar, the worlds. So it was just, you know, your grassy initial world and then an icy world and then an underwater world. And it didn't really develop the concept very much beyond what we'd, pre we'd already had. Um, and it always felt a little bit like the 2D games were always being sidelined and that the 3D games had become the centerpiece Mario games that we all had to pay attention to and that these 2D games have been relegated to the sort of to the Luigi really like the second you know the second tier games but I feel like this is the first time since World perhaps maybe you could argue 3D Land or 3D World where a, a potentially 2D game has now got to that top tier gold standard of, of Mario games and I wonder if you guys agree with me on that yeah I think definitely this is the first like this is the first 2D game since that I remember playing since World where I'm like this is something special it's got something about it that I won't forget in a hurry like the, the other new 2D Mario games like anything from like the Wii and the DS through till like New Super Mario Brothers U DX which is the most unnecessarily long title for a Mario game. Agreed. Um, I just like I love it. It's whimsical. It's silly. The not just the Wonder Seeds, but like adding new enemies in and the new power ups in the two D Mario game, which they've done before, but just didn't feel as well executed. I guess. Mm. Um, like that's really really nice. And the what Wonder Seeds add to levels is just it's amazing. Like it it will take me from playing a level really seriously of like you know right, where's the coin what secrets have I missed and likewise like removing the timer so that it gives you time to explore and not rush and stuff like that is 100% is so much fun Re yeah yep. that top of my list was removing the timer that, that, G I've got that yep. written in massive letters as well like that is that was the first thing that I noticed playing it and I was like fucking yes because it especially in a game like this where it's encouraging you to explore the level like it's it's so nice to have because like I'm sure we've we've all like in previous Mario games like we've we're trying to explore the level as much as possible but you have to kind of there's a lot of um need to replay based on time isn't there like you speed yeah. run into yeah. a certain part to get to make sure you get that star coin or whatever it's you're after yeah that's it it's like having to not having to worry about doing that things like i've i'll get the wonder seed for a level and as long as it's not one of the ones that expires unless you keep up with it or something like that i will yeah. get the wonder seed and then backtrack the entire way through the level to yeah, see I mean, if exactly there's like same. easter eggs and stuff like that 
nice. And the exact same um, as that. But it was like I was and it, it felt like it felt like some of the, the the new Mario games they could have removed the timer anyway because they they often gave you so much time, or they would give you the opportunity to collect more time, you know, capsules or whatever they're called. Yeah. That you didn't even really need, you didn't worry about it a lot of the time. It was just there in the background. But then, given the exploratory nature of this, I completely agree that it it, it, it was you know it's been a long time coming and thank God they have done it yeah and likewise like it's made less a big deal of but they're getting rid of the score tally which I don't think ever really counted for anything much like I didn't see the need for that like, I haven't seen the need for it for a long time so I'm pleased that's such a good well. point such a good point I didn't even notice that but so true yeah uh, uh, yeah the only time I can ever see that being a th- I've only ever paid attention to the score timer is in the very original game um and that's like if you're playing it with a friend or something like that is a more arcadey feel but yeah it's a pretty uh, unneeded feature I guess there's one person out there who's been keeping the score the whole time who's like cursing the game because it doesn't have the uh, thing at the top yeah like I've seen I can't remember where it was now but there was an article I read years ago of like some guy had found a way to set a record in one of the I think it was one of the new Super Mario Brothers games but it was like trying to get through the game with the lowest score possible by like avoiding coins and not touching enemies and stuff like that. And I was like, what's like I get like I love speedrunning and challenges for stuff like that. But I'm like, that's just dumb. It's yeah. just fucking stupid. I don't get that. New, New Super Mario Brothers two had um on three DS had like a focus on the coins and it it had like it it would keep track because I mean coins as well. I mean apart from your your grandparents, um, Tyler, who, when you're running their lives down, um, the the coins um, aren't really like a bit arbitrary as well. Once you like if if you're a, if you're an elite gamer like me, after a while the uh, like when you when you start getting a crown after you get 99 lives I don't know if it does this on Wonder because I haven't reached that point yet but like on some of the Mario games you just get a crown where your lives are because you've got so many lives because you're that good at the game but like in um, New Super Mario Bros. 2 they, it had like um, it, the coins would actually accrue and then it would, they would like amass in a giant hoard on the home screen of the game which was really uh, which was really fun but yeah that's fun I, I don't remember that in the second one I know like the purple coins this time around I like that they have a little bit of a meaning but I was quite surprised that they're not like they're not unique so if you replay a level the big purple ones that it tracks and there's three per level they'll go transparent yeah the little ones and the little that the decimal points of little ones you replay a level and you can just like stack them up basically so by the time I got to the end or by the time I got to the shop in the first world I had like 450 something right, right. just because I'd played all the levels trying to like find secrets and pick stuff up that I'd missed or where my son had played levels to go through and like get the top of the flagpole and the big coins I'm like I'm surprised like in Odyssey when you pick the coins up for an individual world they're gone and there's a little tracker for them and I'm yeah. surprised they didn't do that with this yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I, I missed. I think I missed like a couple of the mini coins in one of the levels, and I was like, "Shit!" And then I realised that they they didn't actually need them, which is a bit of a relief because I think they they use them kind of like they use them in in a way where it's like you just buy as currency to buy stuff, don't they? Um, yeah. That seems to be the case. It doesn't seem to be like so, like a collectible for each level. Yeah. Like you collect a um, hundred. It's you like get an you, extra life you've point. got your three your yeah. three your three coins 
and then you've got your golden flagpole, haven't you? Forgetting wonderful on the um, on the top of the yep. thing, which I, I love that. I, I love one hundred percent in the the game. So um, yeah. I love looking through the little map and going, well, I, I need to go back here and just literally speed run the level just so I can get the the golden flagpole. Um, so yeah, if you noticed that as well, Ethan, that there's yeah, there's your three coins to get. There's the flagpole. There's a second or a third wonder seed in some of the levels. But yeah. also, there's a, and it's really subtle, and it's bugging me already that I can't find why on this. I think it's the second level in the first world, but there's a little blue stamp with a tick in it that's really subtle. That like you can have all of the purple coins, all the wonder seeds, the gold flag, and not have this little like tick mm. watermark thing behind it. I I didn't. I I did not know that. Could it be to do with badges? If you if you're using a, either a specific badge or not using a badge, like if uh, may, maybe there's a challenge to beating the level without using a badge or some or like something to do with the badges, maybe. Possibly, it's not like this thing is because it's just a generic thing. There's no way of telling what it is. So I feel like I don't. I don't know yet. I'll end up going the whole way through the game and coming back for them. But I think it's like there's a secret exit or something. Right, right, yeah, that, I mean, and I've 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 heard in a lot of the reviews um, that there's a lot of secret exits and things like that, similar to, like you were saying before, um, world Mario world, yeah, yeah, um, so, yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm having a, I'm having a really good time with the game, but I think, like, there's not really any way of saying this without it sounding like I'm being down on the game, but I guess what I guess I'm not sort of blown away to the extent that the Metacritic score would su- would suggest, or the um, sort of people like yourselves and a lot of reviewers saying that it's the best 2D Mario game since World. Um, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that it's the best 2D Mario game since World, but like. Um, when I preview when we previewed the game at EGX, um, I really enjoyed it, but it was what I expected. Like I expect a high level of of um, of platforming from a Mario game. Um, I expect it to be fantastic, and it was fantastic. But I expected it, whereas a lot of the reviews um, are saying like, "Oh, I was blown away by it." Like it. There's, it does something new in every level and things like that um, and I'm guessing I guess I'm still waiting to be blown away if that makes sense um, like I'm, I'm having a ma- I'm having a lot of fun with it and enjoying it as much as I expected to but I'm not being blown away to the point where I'm like this is revolutionary for 2D Mario like it still feels like um, a really good 2D Mario game but having said that like I've not I don't think I've played it enough so obviously I, I'm, I'm hoping that moment's going to come and I, I think I think it probably will but um yeah how far have you got so i've i've done like the first few worlds um few worlds, okay. and kind of what i'm doing with it is usually what i do with with uh like for instance new super mario brothers u um i kind of meticulously go through every single level and get as much as i possibly can and then move on i kind of do that with any, most games to be honest but um with this one i'm kind of like i like the difficulty rating on the levels and I'm kind of like, do you know what? I'm going to go to the shops, I'm going to buy the seeds, and I'm going to fucking blast through as much as I can. And then I'm going to go <laughs> back and do uh, and do it that way. Um, so 
yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but maybe I'm missing, like, because obviously there's there's a lot of new enemies that are introduced that are sort of, like, feel like one-time things, and there's a lot of things in levels that feel like just for that level, which is really good. So in order to kind of really get get into it, you kind of have to experience every level. So, um, yeah, but I'm having, I'm, having a, I'm having an incredible time. I'm really liking it. I think my, the thing that I'm enjoying the most about it um, is the, I really like the badge mechanic. I think it allows you to customize because um, obviously we all kind of know how Mario as a platformer feels but with the addition of these badges it kind of allows you to customize it to your liking slightly without encroaching on the sort of Mario platforming experience that we that we know um, like I, I had a, a badge um, that kind of give, gives, gives you extra coins when you kill enemies and stuff like that and then I had one where it gives you like the extra crouch jump and stuff like that um, yeah. And I think that adds a lot of replayability as well because if you're trying to find a secret, you can go, well, if I apply this badge, I can go back in and do this and this, and it's really good. Um, I'm guessing that's where some of those secret exits must be, where you return to the earlier levels where you don't yet have those badges just by dint of not having got to that part of the game yet. And suddenly you're probably opening up a whole different areas to those levels, I expect, although I haven't gone back to do that myself yet. Yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That would make I think a lot of sense. the the power ups for me, like um, I love the drill one the most. I think that yeah, that's, that's, a, that's un- cool. a unique power up that allows you to, especially when you're jumping into the ceiling and things like that. I think that one is is really unique. I think the elephant uh, power up is like more sort of style than substance because you're basically just big Mario, like. Apart from like, tw- you can twat people with your with your tongue, but oh not your tongue, sorry, your trunk. Um, and you can spread. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, diff- that's yeah. a different Mario game, but um, yeah, I've yeah, <laughs> not played that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that Wii game. That definitely yeah, sounds like yeah, a Wii game. Exactly. Uh, it's a um, virtual boy game, um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like um, the the elephant, like. I don't know. It just kind of feels like Big Mario. Are you dis- you're dissing the you're dissing the elephant, are you? I, I like the design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the design of it. But yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of like you hit things with your trunk, but you did that with the cape in Super Mario World, and you do that with the with the Tanuki tail. Yeah. And then you can throw a bit of water, but realistically, you're just watering fucking plants. Um. So it's yeah. like all right. And then uh, the like can't, can't even fly, can he? Can't fly like yeah, Dumbo. Yeah. So I, I don't know, and yeah. it, it doesn't. It doesn't restrict your movement that much either. Like you can still jump quite, which I guess I don't know why I'm yeah. complaining about that. Because obviously I don't want my movement to be restricted. But I don't know. I just kind of like even even the the bubble Mario one. Like that that's a really interesting one for platforming because you can capture enemies in bubbles and then use them wall jump and then use them to platform. So I can imagine that coming in particularly handy. But that again that strikes me as a uh, in 2D Mario games. I feel like you have power-ups that are just generally helpful and then power-ups that are like good for like two levels but other than that the shit so it's like the, you have like the genuine genuinely helpful power-ups like um the cape into mario world or like uh tanuki mario or like the fire flower and then you have like more um sort more of niche ones like more, the, exactly. heli- the helicopter hat yeah. thing and exactly then, yeah. yeah um yeah so yeah and i, th- I think um Obviously, people have been saying, uh, like New Super Mario Brothers, you and like the other New Super Mario Brothers games, uh, making that comparison, and like, 
I thought the squirrel suit into New Samara's U was as good as any of the other uh, upgrades in this so far. Um, there's one in New. That's Super a good point. There's one in New Super yeah. Mario Brothers Two on the 3DS where you basically just have a fucking golden block on your head, and when you run in, it spits out coins, and like <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm having a, I'm having an amazing time. I tell you one thing that I did want to say to you though um, before I forget it, because they've replaced the voice actor um, Charles Martinet in this game. Um, and like Charles kind of gracefully bowed out, said, I'm now becoming the ambassador. And then we were like, what does that yeah. mean? And he goes, I don't know, but I'll tell you when I know. <laughs> Wahoo. Um, and then they kind of did that weird video where they thanked him and all that. And I think it's a nice, like they seem to have uh, come to an amicable end, which is, which is always nice. Cause you do hear these stories about like the Sonic voice actor getting fucking replaced. And then they bring him back because of the backlash and all stuff like that. Um, but like, I kind of get why they replaced him because it kind of feels like a bit more youthful and vibrant. But then at the same time, the guy who's voicing Mario in this, like it sounds, it sounds good, but it sounds like he's just doing an impression of Charles Martinet. So at that point, why don't you just fucking get Charles Martinet? Do what? What do you think about that? <laughs> I, don't I hadn't noticed. I'm going to pay attention, yeah. Tyler. What do like, you think? It's not. It's not obvious unless you listen for it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I look at it as them saying, well, you know, well, because God forbid, like, by the time they make the next major Mario game, it might not be an option, you know, and it, it would it's a horrible thought to have, but it may be that, you know, he's disclosed something to them that says, you know, I'm not going to be able to do any more voice acting, so let's do, let's make this a positive transition because um, yeah like he's not going to be able to do this forever it's a bit like Miyamoto like we all love the guy but he's getting on a little bit it's a 35 year old franchise that these guys started when they were sort of like in their 20s and their 30s so to pass the torch over gracefully seems like a sensible and smooth way to do it yeah um, I'd be interested to because uh, I think um, Charles Martinet started with 64 was it I think so it's like 96 or something so he's like done it for like 26 years or something like that I think I think because um, he does the voice of Wario as well. He does Luigi as well, doesn't he? But I haven't really played. I think he does him. almost. Yeah, he does yeah, all. He does, like, uh, everyone. I, yeah. Um, but like, obviously, Wario. I mean, to my knowledge, is not in this game. Um, but Wario has more of like a. <laughs> type, so uh, it's like yeah, is he? Type, good. So it'd be interested to see if 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 Charles Martinet still does that or whether he's just kind of bowed out uh, completely. But. Um, yeah, I just it just kind of struck me as like it's so close to the final article, and Charles Martinet seems to be happy to to say to leave answering messages for every Tom, Dick, and Larry that sees him at a convention. So if it's so close to the original, I don't get why they did, why they even replaced it. But um, it's kind of much much ado. It's uh, not 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 a big deal. But yeah, yeah, you can't help but wonder sort of like why now. But I think to your point, like. No matter who does it, they're always gonna try and imitate the way he does it because you don't want it to sound too different. Nintendo aren't in the business of changing something that's significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that, on that as well, like, what do you think about the change visually? Because I know, like, um, I think the animation is really fluid, and it the characters, like, when they're coming in and out of pipes and um, finishing levels and stuff like that, they have this sort of vibrancy to them that we didn't necessarily have in Super, New Super Mario Brothers. 
uh, or, or perhaps we did initially but obviously now like people really wanted a, a visual change because we've had that since like I think 2006 um, so like what do you guys think about that because I, I, I'm, I'm really liking it I think that it looks great but I also kind of and this is kind of a selfish thing because obviously they, it's a very mainstream series and like you say they want to maintain like the identity of Mario so they can't stray too far from the path but I almost kind of wanted them to just go fucking even further. Yeah, there was there was part of me that wanted that as well actually, like thinking through before seeing this what a new 2D Mario might look like. I was sort of thinking of all of, you know some of these other indie games that we've seen that they're quite stylized um with with pixel art that's with with very strong colors and I was thinking maybe they could go off and down one of these directions and create sort of a very like um, exciting new pixel art direction where they bring it back, but make it up make new at the same time. Um, but now that I've seen it and seen this new style, I completely agree. Love how fluid it all feels. The, the responsiveness of every every everything just feels so good, and the the, le the little levels of detail. And all the reviews are saying this. There, you know, all the commentary has been. Oh, there's so much little detail, and I, I was sort of a little bit jaded going into it, thinking, "Oh, how much, how many, how many little bits of detail is there going to be?" But then it is everywhere, like in in every moment of possible, uh, possible little animation of uh, the trunk of the elephant Mario, or yeah, like you say, when you're going going into a pipe and he leaves his hat behind, like Indiana Jones, and has <laughs> yeah. to reach back and grab it. L little touches like that, are just everywhere, and it just it does make it feel really premium and, and great and it does feel like you're inhabiting this crazy new flower world it's nice as well because like, to me as much as like I had nothing against like the new Super Mario Brothers way of you know all the animations and that sort of stuff it felt just a little bit rigid whereas this feels very much like it's more fluid it's more natural and it's that like what it's supposed to be like it's a family friendly silly kids you know primarily out there because younger audiences are the, the target you know as much as there's us that have been playing these games 20-30 years it feels like it's in keeping with that sort of like modern cartoon aesthetic in the same way and that same idea of like having just a little bit more character but not going fully you know like fully diving into it like you were saying you were kind of hoping for it feels like mm -hmm. a nice middle ground to me yeah it makes it makes me wonder if like um, we will get a sort of uh, Sonic Mania equivalent um, in between because it's literally been over ten years since the since the last two D Mario game really because obviously we had Mario Maker but um, not yeah. not counting that I mean some people are making full games in that which are incredible but um, not counting that and not counting the re release of uh, New Super Mario Bros U it's literally been ten years so hopefully we don't see too much of a wait in between and if we do like we could get a little uh, from like, perhaps a smaller team something more like sprite based or something like that um, but I think now that the now that they've gone a bit straight off the path of the new Super Mario Bros. moniker it's kind of exciting for what the future holds well, I was reading that the developers weren't given any time frames to work with so they weren't given a level time either for development after um the the uh, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe came out for the Wii U. They just started working on this, developing ideas, and they j they they could take as long as they needed to create the game to be as perfect as possible, which mm -hmm. is quite nice to hear. 
Um, just just to just to be a negative a negative Clancy though in response <laughs> to that. Do, do you do you guys think? Because I I saw that as well, but I was like, well, does that mean that they started development after you? Because like obviously they will have had ideas here and there. But realistically, if it's taken them 10 years to make this game... Like, I've not finished it, and I'm sure it's an amazing game. It's got a 93 on Metacritic, like, so it's it's undoubtedly an incredible game. Not not 10 years after the after the deluxe release oh, right, on the right, Wii U. Right. Not uh, not after yeah. the original. I, no, I was no, going to no. say, yeah. because, like, um, Sorry. something like... Something like... Uh, like, here, here's, an, here's another interesting question for you guys, is, like, there's so many Game of the Year condemned... And not that... Not that um, Give game ratings and uh, awards are the be all and end all. It's ultimately about like your own experience. But given there's so many sort of game quote unquote game of the year contenders this year, for me like um, a Super Mario Odyssey or like to use an example from this year, Tears of the Kingdom just has that sort of je ne sais quoi that 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 yeah. I don't think Wonder could win the game of the year award because. And may- maybe that's just like a sort of curse of being a classic platformer that's like has all this identity that you have to kind of stick to. Um, but I guess Zelda has some some identity that it has to retain as well. Yeah. And Odyssey, Odyssey is the sort of game that's like has that special specialness that truly feels like it's a revolutionary moment. Whereas I'm just waiting for the penny to drop with Wonder, but I'm hoping it will drop when we have when we have a conversation again about it. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that exactly. Like, let's let's revisit this game of the year analysis aspect conversation of this once we've completed it and we've we've explored all the secrets and we've really get more of a sense than won't it? It's very difficult. Like, even when we we were talking about before before this um, podcast about putting this into our top ten two D Mario games, it's very difficult to do that until a little bit of time has passed. Like we're gonna be able to we're going to be able to give our impression now of how that feels having completed it but when when time passes you start to look back on a game because I, I don't remember the new super mario brothers games being as um i don't know what the right word is here but rigid i think tyler the word you use i don't remember them feeling rigid when i first played them but then when you revisit them now they don't feel as perhaps dynamic and as exciting as perhaps a new Mario game, especially with that moniker, should feel. So there's something about Mario Wonder um, starting this whole new direction of, of, of um, design and gameplay philosophy with the, with this, the, this, the uh, Wonder Seed aspects that means that it is going to be interesting to appraise it alongside all the other Mario games. And so that is going to need a, bit of, a little bit of time to decide and I feel like we'll know more by you know the end of the year what get how this compares to things like Tears of the Kingdom, etc. But there's certainly elements here, you know, the, the the fluidity and the 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 sort of vibrancy of the world, the level of choice. I really appreciate the fact that you can you can start every level with all these all these different characters. Some of them that will give you um, you know, that will sort of nerf the the game a little bit for you, like the Yoshi's and things that will make it easier, which is great for families. And then when you're playing the game itself, you can go in with any of the the different um, thing that oh, slipped out of my mind, badges. what they're called, <laughs> the badges. You can wear different badges, and then when you're doing the level I- itself, you're like, well, I don't, I don't have to get the wonder seed if I don't want to. Some of the times, it's actually quite difficult to get the wonder seed, uh, or y- you can see it and go, actually, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to carry on the level normally. <laughs> you know, there's all these different choices in the game, and I, I do love that aspect of it that they've, they've, they've made it 
so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's tiered to every member of the family. Like, I feel like I could give this to, like, my, my six-year-old nephew, and he'd be able to play it and have a whale of a time. And I'm having an amazing time myself. Like, some of the levels are genuinely challenging, and I'm having to replay sections multiple times. Um, and there's levels of challenges about getting the coins and about and, and um, all, all these other aspects. And so that's really excellent and I'm really enjoying all those bits. But at the same time, I do sort of agree with with you there a little bit, Ethan, that like it when you're judging this against something like Tears of the Kingdom, which is this, you know, vast reworking of a, a pinnacle of gaming achievement and, and taking a pinnacle of gaming achievement and just raising the bar like taking it up to 11, how can we possibly give anything other than Tears of the Kingdom Game of the Year? So, mm. you know, it's always going to be a bit of an uphill battle for anything alongside that this year. Yeah. But I think compared to, like, when we think about when Mario Wonder, we've only known about it for four months or so. Like, when was it? Like June or something yeah. that we had the direct? That So that the amount of time we've had from learning it about its existence to now playing it, I, lo I love it when that happens. Like, it happened with, with, with Metroid Dread as well. Because sometimes when, when, when you've had a really long time to wait for a game, you can sort of build up your expectations to crazy levels or they just show you so much in advance that you just you become a bit like, oh, before you even play it. Cause it's just, it becomes so exhausting, the prospect of playing it, that <laughs> you c it can never live up to that, that amount of hype. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I felt they did a great job with Tears of the Kingdom of just drip-feeding little bits of information until right at the end yeah. when you've got like a, a, a dump of information just before. But the f the fact that we haven't known about this for that long, and suddenly we're we're now playing a a two D Mario game this year, when when the beginning of the year we had no clue this was even on the horizon, is really exciting. And given that it's it is getting scores up in the sort of nineties, and people are really loving it, I think it is really exciting because we could have just got another new Super Mario, just another load of levels with no wonder seeds, with none of none of these badges. We still got the timers, and we'd have still been happy. And it would have got like 80s, but this is more exciting than that. So really happy. And we will definitely be diving into um, even deeper into talking about this very, very soon for you. Um, just before we move on, have you guys got any extra thoughts on Super Mario Wonder to finish off? I just think like, so, and I'm, I'm confident this is true, but I haven't fact-checked it. So, you know, we could get caught out on the fact that I'm not quite right here. But I saw saw something that basically said the of the five core developers that built Super Mario World, four of them still developed Wonder. And I think, especially with the way that you know the gaming industry and like development for games is now, I think that's a lovely thing to have. And I think only in Nintendo can you really get something like that, that kind of legacy. Yeah, that's fantastic. I saw, that is fantastic. I, I saw yeah. a, a photograph of the um, development team for Super Mario World. And it, they had one of those, um, you know, those rear projection televisions yeah. behind them, and like, yeah, like you say, to have that, 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 like, the, I mean, this, I feel like the staff retention at Nintendo is is high in general, isn't it? Because like, it's a great company to work for. They they pay their they seem to pay their employees well. Um, in comparison to a lot of stories that you hear, uh, seemingly daily, unfortunately, of like teams getting laid off and people get teams having yeah. to downsize and things like that um to have a to have a a company that that makes such good games so consistently and with a team that seems to uh want to stick around is like you say lovely 
That's lovely to hear, and it's something that you do hear about Japan in general with yeah, high levels definitely. of retention for their companies, and Nintendo just seems to be along um, along the same lines, and that's obviously great for us and great that we get games of this caliber so long after the original Mario games. Um, so let's park our discussions on Wonder there for now. We will definitely be returning to talk more about Wonder in future episodes of NX. We are very quickly, because we're at the hour and a half mark now, we're very quickly going to go through upcoming games. So just this is a part of the show we're currently calling Watching. Again, because I haven't thought of a better name for it, <laughs> where we're just watching what games are coming up, uh, what games have already released, and what we might be interested in in talking about what games we might want to be playing. Um, so recently we've had on the... 6th of October, Detective Pikachu Returns, and I think Ethan, as a long-time Pokemon fan, do you just want to quickly tell us your level of enthusiasm for this one? Yeah, I'd say, uh, <laughs> I'd say rather middling. Um, I I don't intend on getting it to be honest with you. I just um, I, I spoke to um, Joe, who does uh, the Ninsite and Ninty Fresh and Switch player. Um, and he was reviewing it for the for an insight, and he said that it was uh, very much a bit. I, I, I haven't read his review yet, but I think he was kind of middle of the road on it. Um, from from what I could from what I could tell, it's um, obviously the sequel to the 3DS game, um, and I think I think it's an interesting an interesting premise and the the use of Pokemon characters um, in a new way is is novel, but. Um, it didn't really blow me away, and um, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of came and went a little bit. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I I think the the I don't know that the visuals for me in particular. Like I'm not I'm not someone who's get a stickler for, for graphics, but I mean particularly if you look at like Wonder, for instance, and I mean not it's an apples and oranges in the terms of those two games, but I know that the Switch is a uh, is an underpowered console compared to others available, but um, yeah, visually for me, it didn't really do anything for me. I think because there's a difference between uh, visual fidelity and then the actual um, style itself. I think the style was a bit sort of like um, I don't know. It just didn't really didn't really blow my socks off. To be honest, it was just kind of more of more of more of that that sort of world in that sort of gameplay for people that enjoyed the first one but for me it's not really not really a uh, a buy it's a bit of a shame because i feel like the i uh, the concept of a detective pikachu detective pikachu detective pikachu uh, could be uh, a really good one and i th the 3ds game always had a quite a um a vocal following for um it, it being a bit of a cult classic on that system, as far as I can tell from reading the reviews, maybe that's a bit strong. But seeing this, yeah, it, it just looks like perhaps it was a 3DS game that's just kind of been left over and they just couldn't work out what to do with it and they've just sort of brought it across the Switch. The graphics just didn't look that interesting and I do think there's a broader conversation that we could have at some point about what's going on with Pokemon. But anyway, let's park that for now. Um, Tyler, you've expressed an interest in a game that came out very recently. Uh, this is Sonic Superstars, uh, which came out on the 17th of October. Yeah, so I, I've dabbled with 2D Sonics before, so I had a couple of the Sonic Advance games. I have some vague memories of playing the original Sonic games on like a Mega Drive, um, but 
the Sonic games that I loved the most were like, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Um, so I had Sonic Adventure 1 on a Dreamcast and then Sonic Adventure 2 on the GameCube. Like, so I got the GameCube for my birthday and then one of the first things I did with my birthday money was go and buy Sonic Adventure 2, which is still a game that I adore to this day. Um, and my son... Your grand... No, not, not one that I played with my grandparents. <laughs> not for them. Um, but yeah, so my son got into Sonic, um, I think really through like the TV shows and stuff that they've done. Um, so he got into Sonic a little while ago and it's something that like I played through Sonic Adventure with him um, and we've started Sonic Adventure 2 but I think he's kind of fallen off it for a little bit but he's seen the adverts for Sonic Superstars and he's really excited about it and I think it's going to be a nice way for me to get into 2D Sonic again and play that through with him I like having like an occasional game that I'll play through with him and I think having will have probably just finished Wonder by the time sort of Christmas rolls around which is when I'll probably get it for him it'll be nice, nice to go from you know what Mario has to offer in 2023 compared to what Sonic can do at the same sort of time because obviously they you know they've got that long standing history of being similar ideas for games do you know this is the first um the first time since the original the the, the SNES Mega Drive rivalry back in the day where a Sonic game a mainline Sonic game and a mainline Mario game have released in the same week i didn't that's know mad. that that's amazing that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, I um and and yeah, and now on the same, well, sharing the same system, of course. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. isn't it? I I think um, I I've got to, I've got to say like to to bring to bring a bit more negativity to the conversation, folks. Um, like I've I've heard I haven't heard as glowingly positive reviews of as Wonder, of course, on on super on superstars, um. But I've heard some positivity on it, like, oh, it's good fun, good Mario, uh, good Mario, good Sonic, um, and I'm sure you will enjoy it with you with your son. Um, but, like, I've heard that this game takes, like, four hours to complete. Like, what the fuck is that? It's, like, 50... Yeah, like, for 50 uh, quid, fi- yeah. 50 yeah. fucking quid, right? I, I'm, I'm not hearing yeah. enough... I'm not hearing enough about yeah. how... Like, I, I love I love a short game. I, I, I absolutely love a short game. But realistically, if I'm spending if I'm spending fifty fifty pounds on a, on a game, yeah, I don't I don't want to be finishing yeah. it after four hours, because I think it, you can play as different characters, obviously, which gives it a little bit of replay value. But realistically, like there's not that I don't I've heard that there's not that much replay value anyway. So I've got I've got to say like um, I don't know I, I just haven't heard anyone sort of saying much about the length of the game and I. I I don't really know if four hours is an acceptable length. Like if it, if it was a Sonic Mania, because I think Sonic Mania was cheaper, wasn't it? So yeah, Sonic much. Mania was like a twenty pound game, much or cheaper. Like that. Yep, yep. Like if if it's a twenty twenty pound price point, then it's a much different story, and I'd probably be picking it up myself. But for for full whack to 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 be that short, like it's not really. A, yeah, it's not, not really on, is it? Although having said that, I guess if Sonic's running at the speed of sound, it could be like a it could be like a twenty five hour game, and he's just fucking running that quickly. They actually they actually developed a fifty hour game, and then when it, when they uh, when, when Sonic they started Sonic running it at normal it. speed, oh, okay. he did it in about half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a bit of time dilation going on with uh, the, the latest Sonic. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, Sonic time dilation it was out on the seventeenth of October. Tyler's interested. Ethan a bit more negative because it sounds like it's very short, and I do agree. Fifty quid for four hours. What's going on with that? Uh, moving on very quickly, though. Coming soon, 
We've got WarriorWare Move It, which I don't think any of us are particularly interested in, but uh, Ethan, you did a great impression of Wario earlier, so can we just re revisit your impression of Wario? <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> that is excellent. So uh, if anyone from Nintendo is listening and you do need a new Wario, uh, the lad, Ethan, he's available. Um, I'll take 10%. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, that's out on the 14th of November. Ethan? Yes, Hogwarts. Accio game. Um, very interested to see how this one runs on Switch before I likely pick it up on another platform, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah. more, more an interesting one. Uh, me, me and my girlfriend have been watching all the Harry Potter films this, this month. There's like a little spooky... Uh, thing and I, I've actually been playing some of the older Harry Potter games as well so I was, I was looking forward to, to seeing how this one runs um, fair play to the developers for the commitment to the Switch obviously the game's been out for quite a while now on other platforms um, I think I, I think they've shown a little bit of gameplay but like I, I still I don't trust it till yeah, actual I, people have exactly. it in their hands I, I didn't believe it um, so I'm looking forward to <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing like uh, full gameplay and seeing how that runs because it's it's always interesting. But I mean, respect the commitment to bring it to uh, the Switch platform. But um, yeah, by this point, um, I guess you could probably pick it up on other platforms for cheaper and it'll run better. Obviously, if you only have Switch, then that's your only option. And um, it, yeah, it's the captive. Or it's the ca it's the same reason you know to bring. Um Grand Theft Auto Collection, you know, and that, that sold hugely well on the Switch at a ridiculously high price, even though it ran like crap, apparently, and I, 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 we don't know that Hogwarts Legacy is going to run like crap, so I'm not saying that in advance of this one, but I can imagine that just the huge audience, the captive audience they've got for a younger demographic with the Switch for mm -hmm. Hogwarts is just, this is going to sell regardless of, of, of how it runs, unfortunately, but I do hope they put in the hard yards and it yeah. does it does run nicely. It's, it, yeah. it, it's interesting with um, modern ports of games uh, on Switch. A lot of the time, the solution is to sort of, uh, you know, like when you go on a PC game yeah. and you just turn all the settings to low, and then the, yeah, the textures just, just that, like shit, render distance and things like that. Um, and it seems like uh, Switch ports kind of do that, whereas back in the day, if you had a port of a game on a different platform, there'd be a lot more sort of technical um, uh, playing around to see what they could do and what, what they could ramp up and what they could bring down. Uh, I, I reviewed um, Dynasty Warriors 9 on Switch, and like that just literally felt like you were playing it on like a Pentium. You know, like when you're trying to run a game on like a shit computer and you, you just kind of like literally ramp everything down. Because there are these games like Doom uh, and even Doom Eternal that run silky smooth, beautifully, run beautifully on Switch and, and things like uh, even uh, Metroid Prime. We've got these great games that are that you know seem like they should be quite powerful, especially something like Doom should be using a lot of power and they've managed to get that to work. So it is just development skill and everything and of, of course the Switch isn't powerful enough to run something like Hogwarts Legacy, which is a, a new game, but uh, there doesn't seem to be as much of an excuse for things like the new Pokemon games. or, or no. um, So anyway, uh, let's move on again. Just uh, keen to just quickly move through these. Super Mario RPG. Tyler, you've got this one pre-ordered. This is one that I'm definitely really interested in playing, especially because never played the original Super Nintendo game. So really happy this is getting a... It's something that we've sort of talked about in the background a little bit. You listen to Nintendo podcasts, it's something that people say. It'd be lovely if this came back and it was given a bit of a remake. And so here it is. 
um, and you were excited enough to pre-order it, Tyler. Yeah, so yeah, for all those reasons, it's one of those things that like, I was too young when it originally came out to have any interest and getting into that kind of RPG type game is something that's come a lot more recently for me. Um, and obviously as you get into those games, especially as someone who loves Nintendo the way I do, everyone says, oh, you know, Super Mario RPG was, was seminal for its time. And is it Genos is the character? Like the um, the character G- that like Square Enix is it? Yeah, or, something or, like or that. Or Puppet Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously everyone talks about him and there was, you know, is he going to be in Smash and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, and then they brought him as a talk. fucking me character uh, costume. <laughs> <didn't Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's all this love for the game from anyone who is around then to to really enjoy it, and it was one of those that's gone on my list of old games that I'd love to go back to in the right way and at the right time. So seeing this come out is like this is a dream come true for me as a game that I'd always wanted to play on a platform that is my preferred platform for RPGs. So it's yeah, it's perfect for me. So yeah, I pre-ordered that. I pre-ordered it when I pre-ordered Wonder, which was I think July. So yeah, amazing. I'm super. Yeah, excited that's for really this. cool. I I'm very excited for all the same reasons. I'm excited for all in all the same ways for Thousand Year Door as well, which I haven't played either. And the, the, we're getting the uh, remake of that next year too. Yeah, so. that's another one of those painful nice. examples where Ethan's talking about retro game prices. Like, I think a copy of Thousand Year Door is over a hundred quid now, probably. Sound about right, Ethan? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Hopefully, um, yeah. I always like it when a game gets re-released like that because hopefully it will drive down the uh, prices of the original. Yeah, hopefully. Good luck. Or raise it because everyone's more excited about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that that looks super beautiful as well, Thousand Year Door. Can't wait for that. But Super Mario RPG, definitely one I'll be playing as well. Ethan, is that one you're interested in? Yeah, definitely on the watch list. Um, I think it's just a case yeah. of backlog for me, how many games I've got still to play uh, when it comes out. That's probably the same for all of us. Um, so let's. So that's, I think, the list of everything that's coming out soon that we're excited about. Obviously, there'll be more dropping between now and Christmas. We'll be covering that in future episodes of NX. But let's move on to the final part of today's episode, which is the return of Mario or Smario. <laughs> This one, because we're now a Nintendo show, is a co-op edition, which means that you guys are going to be working together to identify the false bit of trivia. So, in previous Mario vs. Mario's, I would read out four bits of trivia about a particular game. One of them was fake, one of them was the Smario, and everyone would have to work individually to try and identify which one was the fake. Um, This time, you guys are working together to identify which one is the fake. Is that all understood? Ready to start? Sounds yeah, good. I'm with you. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm glad I explained that properly. <laughs> right. 
Today, we are playing da -da -da -da, Super Mario World or Super Mario Swirl. <laughs> Very you guys good. Know your Very good. Yeah, do you know your trivia for this one? I hope so. I hope so. Right. I will be reading these out and I'll drop them into the WhatsApp so you can read along at the same time. Number one. It is the best-selling game from the fourth generation of consoles. Number two, Yoshi was created because Miyamoto's children were fascinated by dinosaurs at the time. Number three, an arcade version allowed players to try the game before buying it. And number four, the only game where Yoshi has orange arms. So I don't need to say who goes first because you'll be working together on this one. So, so jump in. One of those is bullshit and the rest of them are true. That's correct. Right. Uh, so I think, uh, um, I guess, I guess it is the best-selling game because it came as a pack-in, didn't it? So it's probably that Wii Sports situation, Drekken. Um, that would make sense. I think the only one, the one that immediately jumps out to me as bullshit, is there's an arcade version of it. Yeah. Well, I th they had the um, Play Choice Ten. Is that like the arcade version of the NES? But I haven't, I haven't heard of um, an arcade version of the SNES. So I don't know, but like, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility because I've seen like televisions that have built-in Super Nintendos and stuff. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility okay. for it to be like some sort of demo thing. But yeah, yeah. I have never heard of that. The the orange arm thing sounds like bullshit though. Do you not reckon? It does, but at the same time, it's such a minute detail that I feel like is easy to overlook. Like yeah. I feel like that could be the case, and we could miss it. I was literally just about to Google Yoshi Super yeah. Mario World, and I remembered that I'm playing a, a, a quiz where I can't, where I'm actually <laughs> supposed to <laughs> try to do it myself. Yeah, um, Ethan, you're disqualified from now. No, no, I'm, I, I, no, I'm instantly picturing Yoshi in my head. I'm like, does he really have orange arms? Um, uh, what was the third one? Something about the his kids uh, like dinosaurs or something. The second one because uh, his kids were fascinated by dinosaurs at the yeah, time. Because I have I've dropped I've dropped them into the chat so you can look at it. Okay, okay. I, I don't yeah. I don't trust myself to pick up my phone after that uh, lapse in judgment. So I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I would personally go with the orange arm, but um, I know the arcade thing is equally bullshit. So I, so I'm I'm happy to leave the the the, the wee tennis ball in your court, Tyler. I don't know because I like I'm 100 percent there with you on the orange arms thing doesn't feel real, but at the same time I feel with Mario World being as well loved as it is, if there's an arcade version in any format, it's the kind of thing that at some point over the years you'd have seen an article that was like someone's found a copy of this and it's worth two million pounds. Very true, very true. And I've true. never heard of that, and like I feel like I know Mario World relatively well. Yeah, that's true. I know I know. there's a Play Choice 10, which is like an arcade version of the NES, which allows you to play NES games on an arcade machine. I think that's what that is anyway. And I, I, sh I, think, there's a ver I think there's an SNES version as well. But like you say, like I've not... Perhaps it would have been more of a thing if, if I've heard of it. Um, but it's it, the, the fourth thing... Did he, did he say it's the only game where Yoshi yeah. has orange arms? Yeah, but it, does he say it's the only mainline Mario series game where Yoshi has orange arms? Just says the only game because the, you can technically play as orange Yoshi in Mario Kart. Smash, yeah. Smash Mario Kart Eight. I feel like yeah. Mario World Two, like the Yoshi's Island one. I feel like there's all the different coloured Yoshis. 
Yeah. So even if even if he does have Iron Jams in his world, that would still be bullshit. Yeah. Uh, can I just clarify that? I meant uh, the, he has Orange Arms and the rest of him isn't orange. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yep, okay. yep, yep. <laughs> so this, isn't, this isn't like changing him to orange Cause and he, then his orange he arms. Has, so he he yeah. has like orange boots, but he he doesn't have... He has green arms, surely? It's, no, I think they're white. On, well, the underside, I have a feeling, or I can remember them being either green or white. I'm like picturing Mario World Yoshi in my head and I'm not sure how much of it's like my mind filling in blanks. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I don't know. You, you, you're thinking you're thinking the arcade. You're leaning more towards arcade, do you think? Or you're leaning I was. I was, but the more you talk about it, the more I'm like... I think, yeah. Do you know what? Let's go. I'm, I'm with you. I think we go with four. Okay. Well, yeah? let, let our friendship, let our friendship lie on this. Yeah. Let's lock it in. We go with we go with four mark. Excellent. Okay, nice one, guys. Yeah, that is a good point about this re the reworking of this game is that this <laughs> it could actually be more <laughs> more fractious than I was expecting. Right, let's go through these in order. Number one, it is the best selling game for the fourth generation of consoles. That is absolutely true, and it currently sits as the eighteenth best selling Nintendo game of all time. Wow. At the moment. Uh, it sold more games than they sold N64s or they sold GameCubes. So wow. a huge number. But obviously it's boosted by getting its re-release as well on um, the Advance. as uh, d um, Super Mario Advance 4, is it? Yeah. Does that include all the virtual console sales as well? The stats I looked at just included uh, the Hardware sales. Advan Advance and the... yeah. Exactly, the hardware sales. That's correct. I, I, that's in, it's interesting if they would count uh, Super Mario Advance Two because it's it, like it, I would say that's a different of enough. I mean, it's the same game, but like as a release, it's not a re-release, is it? No. Is it Advance Two or Advance Four? I think Advance Four remember. is Super Mario Brothers Three, which that's okay, the most fucking right. confusing thing ever. But, yeah, that uh, is confusing. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, it's the it is definitely the best-selling game for the board generation of consoles, beating. Sonic uh, quite comfortably by about five or six million, I think, if you just count SNES. Anyway, that's we've gone down a hole, uh, weeds there. Number two, Yoshi was created because Miyamoto's children were fascinated by dinosaurs at the time. I'm sorry to tell you both, but that is the Smario. Oh, wow. That's the fake one. Oh my God. So, brilliant story. Um, Miyamoto had a picture of Mario riding a horse above his desk at the time of development of World. Um, and the developers of World took inspiration from this and designed Mario riding various reptile-type creatures because they were doing a dinosaur environment for World. And the original designs looked much more like a crocodile, than crocodilian, but it eventually, after some redesigns, became Yoshi. So isn't that cool? That's that crazy. Cool. Well, I, isn't that crazy? I, f I feel bad, but I also feel good that um, our friendship has not been tarnished by a, a, <laughs> a title. So that's a victory in of itself, isn't it? Really? Can I I'm, I'm also now frantically googling fucking yeah. Yoshi. Yoshi. You can Google. Down. So, I'll tell you now. Right. So, number three, an arcade version allowed place. Ethan is exactly right there that there was a Play Ten for the NES, and there was a, exactly the same system for the SNES. But it, it seems like it's much rarer because on a um, website I found that rated the um, the difficulty of securing one of these systems today or whenever the website was 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 
created, they 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 gave it out scores out of a hundred for difficulty, where where for some reason one was the most difficult and a hundred was the easiest to get hold of, and they gave it a four for difficulty. So <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to find. Oh, wow. and, yeah, get hold of. Um, I love I love that nerdy way of rating that as well. Yeah, it's yeah. It's such an um, arbitrary. It, it's such an arbitrary number. But even when you said it, I was like, oh, that is hard to get. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. there's like so- someone's just plumped for a number there they haven't really yeah, yeah. but you know you know they've got things that are three <laughs> and they've got things that are five so it's it yeah, is quite exactly. quite thought through but um and it was exactly that so you could try it there were demo versions of the games where you could play it for a little while and you could jump through different snes games uh to experience them before choosing to buy the home console and it is the only game where yoshi has orange arms it isn't really known and i couldn't find why they were orange in Super Mario World and it was fixed for the Game Boy Advance version to make them green so they, they do appear as green in the Game Boy Advance version wow. and th- and they appear as green on the box art and in the manual for this Super is, Mario World. This is World. what I mean, yeah. I, that, I was thinking of the, yeah. I was thinking of the box, box art, art. Yeah. yeah. and do you know what, what as well, as I, well. Actually, I actually played Super Mario, the Super Mario Advance version before the uh, Super Nintendo version so that is, that is why, uh-huh. that's crazy there you go. Isn't it? You can look it up. You can yeah, check. I'm look I'm at the sprite. He's got orange on. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, Isn't it crazy? I've just looked at a Twitter thread <laughs> and someone, someone's replied saying that is a saddle strap and I will not hear it yeah. any other way. That's exactly what I thought as well. Because you look yeah. at like, the box art and his arms are green. Like, all the promotional material, they're green. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's a pair of stirrups, right? It's, you can see um, from the sprite, you can, you can find it where it's showing where he like, waves his arms and they're definitely arms because I checked all of this. <laughs> yeah, where he's like... You want one where he, yeah. when you waggling his arms listen, around. Listen, you can f- you can find the it. The extent of research you've done to protect the integrity of this game is really uh, respectable and commendable, to be honest. So I it has has to be done, mate. Because if if you play this with Alex, he doubts everything <laughs> you say anyway. Yeah. And just the level of, and there has been a couple of mistakes in the past, but you, uh, I try and check because wow. it is tricky. But yeah, isn't that cool though? I thought there were really interesting bits of cool, trivia yeah. there as well for that game. So that was Super Mario World or Super Mario World, Super Smarius World. Unfortunately, you guys today weren't successful, but hopefully in a future episode of NX, you will be. And all that remains for me to say is thank you for playing. Thank you for being here on this first pilot episode of NX. We will be back soon with more thoughts on Nintendo games across the, the whole gamut of consoles. And more specifically, we will be looking in more detail at... Super Mario Wonder, and we'll be trying desperately to rank our 2D Mario games in order in a top 10. So look for some debates there. Definitely our friendships will not survive that. Um, well, thank you, Tyler, for being here today. Yeah, um, thank you very much for, for the opportunity. I've loved it. It's, uh, it's nice to talk all things Nintendo rather than get diluted into other stuff. Absolutely. I mean, Ethan did his best, but he did mostly stay on topic. Uh, Ethan, thank you for being here as well. Thank you very much. I, I, th- I uh, for a moment there, I thought you were going because you said, "Oh, thank you for being here, Tyler," and then for a moment there, I thought you said, "Thank you." I thought you were going to say, "Thank you for being here, Tyler," and Ethan, fuck you. But goodbye, everyone. But it's yeah. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a lovely little chinwag, and I can't wait to do it again. That could certainly be a sign-off in future episodes. I mean, thank you for giving me that idea, Ethan. Nice. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll log that That's away. That's all right. I'll, I'll invite um, you for it in a bit. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Cheers, guys. Bye.